0: A lot of people don't want to be healed by God. They want to do it themselves. Well, verse eight, you guys go ahead and go up to the feast. I'm not yet going up to the feast for my time has not yet fully come. You see, it isn't that Jesus stayed out of Jerusalem and Judah because he was scared. He said, my time has not yet come. Because he knew that there was going to be a reaction. Now, Jesus does go later on, but he doesn't go in the pomp and splendor of God's Son. He goes incognito. He goes up. And when he said these things to them, he remained in the Galilee. So his brothers went ahead and went on down to the to the feast. And when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, But as it were, in secret. You know, a lot of people think that's being deceptive. But you know, sometimes it's wise. Sometimes it's wise to not play everything you're doing out in front of people. But wait and see what God's going to do in your life. Well, verse 11, it says, The Jews sought him at the feast. And they said, Where is he? Evidently, they must have recognized either his disciples or certainly his brothers. And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. Some said, he is good. Others said, no, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. This is speaking of the common people. Some people thought Jesus was great. Some people thought Jesus was a deceiver. You know, people are going to say that about you. They're going to say that about me. Get used to it. It's just the way it works. If you are with... The Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. For, again, when they speak well of you, they also did that of the false prophets in the Old Testament. You've got to be careful of that. We're not in a popularity contest. We're here to please God. And we always have to remember that. Steady Eddie. We just need to keep on pressing on a high calling, the mark of God. Now, in the middle of the feast... And by the way, the festival of booze or tabernacles was a week long. It was eight, about eight days. And, and they, what they would do to celebrate this is a lot of people, they had their houses... But for a week, they would camp outside. They'd make these little booths out of, you know, wood sticks and cover them over with their linen and be in the shade. And it was reminiscent of what it was like when they came out of the, the land of Egypt and they were tabernacling in the wilderness. And so as they would do this, they were out in the wilderness. They get this special commemorative week to remind everybody and their children What it was like. So they went on a camp out for a week outside. Some people camped on top of the roofs of their houses even. Just so they would be outside. And so, in the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple and taught. Well, so much for being incognito anymore. He was very much revealed who he was now. And the Jews marveled. Saying, how does this man know letters having never studied. The pedigree. Who taught Jesus? That was the question. Well, you, you got to remember that Paul the Apostle was schooled by Gamaliel. Uh, uh, Elisha was schooled by Elijah. Uh, there was always, a, a Samuel was schooled by Eli. There was always some kind of a pedigree and Jesus just kind of shows up and knows all these things. And Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Jesus was divinely sent by his Father. Remember, the doctrine that you bring people is not your doctrine. When you look at somebody and say, You know what? If you accept Christ... Your sins are forgiven. If you reject Christ, your sins are not forgiven. And by the way, that's what Jesus said. Whoever sins you remit, they're remitted. Whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. That is not talking about a pastor or a rabbi or a priest. It's talking about you, the authority God has given you. If you look at somebody and say, if you accept Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven. Now, I didn't forgive that person. I just made a declaration as an ambassador of one from the Most High that says, if you accept Christ, your sins are forgiven. However, on the other hand, if you don't accept Christ, well, (laughs) you're still living in your sins, dude, and you'll die in your sins. And those will get you. Our doctrine is not our doctrine. Our doctrine is the one who sent us. My doctrine is not mine, but he who sent me. If anyone, wants to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether it I speak on my own authority. Now everything Jesus taught them, and by the way, going back to this, it's important they said they marveled having knowing letters. Jesus was reading them the Old Testament. Jesus said, search the scriptures in them you think you have eternal life. They're which testify of me. So if you want to know who Jesus is, you don't necessarily have to just be locked into the New Testament. You can look at the Old Testament. Because they're a picture of who was to come. So he says, he who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. Jesus is saying, I'm not saying things to be popular, I'm just telling you what God said. Friends, that's the same thing we tell people. You know, there's a lot of people who say, it doesn't matter what you believe, dude, just be sincere. You can believe anything you want and get to heaven. I've heard people say that. You can believe driving into a brick wall at 100 miles an hour ain't going to hurt you. you know? Believe whatever you want. No, it doesn't work that way. What does the Bible say? Jesus said, John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In that verse, Jesus categorically said, all the other religions of the world are fraud. Now, here's why that's important. When you have the idea of coexist or a one-world religion, Christianity is not mixable with the religions of the world. Because there's not a lot of different ways to get to heaven. Jesus said it best when he said, Father, if there's any other way that man can be saved, let this cup pass for me. Well, Jesus went ahead and died on the cross. So that tells me being a good person is not going to get us to heaven. That tells me being a religious person is not going to get us to heaven. That tells me that being a sincere person is not going to get us to heaven. It's only through Jesus Christ. Jesus said that. I didn't. You talk to people and they say, well, who is Jesus? Oh, he was one of the greats. There's Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus. Yeah, they, they had a lot of really wise things to say on the path to get you where you want to go. But what did Jesus say when you asked them about that? Jesus said he was the only way. Whoa. Well, then all of a sudden, maybe he ain't so great. So either he is who he said he was, or he is a liar and a fraud. That's what everybody has to decide. That's why the world instantly is divided into two camps, the fragrance of life, the stench of death, for us representing him. So, verse 19. Jesus now begins to address... This situation where he healed the man on the Sabbath and told the guy to rise, take up his bed, and walk. Because this is why they sought to kill him. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keep the law? Why do you then seek to kill me? Now this goes back again because they were angry that Jesus healed the man at the five porches at Bethesda there in Jerusalem. Now notice something important. You like to underline things in your Bible, get out your magic marker, let's underline this one. Did not Moses give you the law and yet none of you keep the law? He asked the question. None of you keep the law. Wow. Jesus said nobody keeps the law. He said this in the temple to the religious people who were professional law keepers. Whoa. Now, if the professional law keepers can't keep the law, that tells me that we're not justified by keeping the law. How are we justified then in Christ? In Him. We're clothed in His righteousness. Jesus kept all the laws. So we take His righteousness, wrap it around us. Now, that's why this is important. I run into people today, well, not today, yeah recently, about telling me how important it is to worship on Saturday. We keep the law, they tell me arrogantly. Oh, really? Isn't that funny that Jesus spoke to the professional law keepers of the day and said, do you keep the law? Well, I can just sit there and see them going, Yes. Yes, we do. We are professional lawkeepers. You might be a farmer, but we're lawkeepers. Why do you seek to kill me, Jesus said. And the people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work and you all marvel. Now that one work he did, was healing the man at Bethesda back in John chapter 5. This goes back again. No good work goes unpunished. Well, we find here, I did one work and you all marveled. Now, the people didn't know what the Pharisees were up to. If you go back to John chapter 5, they sought to kill Jesus. But the people didn't know that. So that's when they reacted the way they did. Verse 22, now Jesus explains this. Moses, therefore, now he's going after their whole crux of them being law keepers. See, this is what makes me righteous. Look what I did. I keep the Sabbath. I don't eat none of that stinky bacon. Not me. Pork. We keep the law. So Jesus goes after him. He said, And yet none of you keep the law? I can just see him saying, Oh, yeah, we do. Moses therefore gave you circumcision. Not that it's from Moses, but from the Father, speaking of that covenant that God had made with Abraham. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. Now, why do they sab- circumcise a person on the Sabbath? It was on the eighth day is when a a little Jewish boy was to be circumcised. Many people say it's because the blood coagulates the best on the eighth day and different things like that. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. Seems to make sense to me. But if you were born on the right day, on the eighth day, which would you would land on the Sabbath for your circumcision, that would have to be transpired then. So if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses should not be broken, in other words, you can't work on the Sabbath, but yet you're performing a work on somebody else on the Sabbath, you'll see where Jesus is going with this. You are angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? So he goes, now let me get this right. You're angry with me, you want to kill me because I healed a guy on the Sabbath day because it's unlawful to work on the Sabbath day yet you'll circumcise a child on the Sabbath day which is also work. You know, one thing you'll find about arrogance and sin it doesn't make sense. You ever notice that about sin? It doesn't make sense. You'll talk to an alcoholic killing himself with alcoholism. Do you want to stop drinking? Yeah. Would you really like to stop drinking? Yeah. Are you going to stop drinking? No. Why? Sin never makes any sense. Why is that? Because our thinking is clouded by an old sin nature. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. So he goes on. So again, to finish, he says, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I man, made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Don't judge according to appearance, but judge with a righteous judgment. He's saying logically, you guys don't make any sense. A righteous judgment is after the heart of God, not after appearances. The Bible warns us about making judgments after the appearance of things. So, what's the appearance? What it looks like? How do you find the truth about it? Well, you pray about it, do some investigation. The Bible says that if you're going to believe something, go to both sides and get both sides. Both sides of the story, as it says in, in uh, Proverbs. It's an old saying, only a fool believes one side of a story. So you need to find and what makes a righteous judgment. Then some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they said seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this truly is the Christ? However... We know when this man is... However, we know where this man is from. But when Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Okay, that's important. Okay, look at verse 27. When Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. Verse 27. And go back and compare it to verse 15. Back up. And the Jews marvel saying, How does this man know letters having never studied? Oh wow! They're answering their own questions now. Isn't that funny? Because they believe, with their limited understanding of the Old Testament, that when Christ appears, he'll just there he is. He just comes on the scene. Well, Jesus kind of did that when he was born in Bethlehem, and Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, "You both know me and know where I'm from, and have not come." Of my, I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But if I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. So he says, but I know him. Then they stopped to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, because his hour had not yet come. By the way, there's a lot to be said for that. Do you know you're invincible until your hour comes? That last day? You know that? You're part of God's plan. You're bulletproof. Why is that? Just like the two prophets in Jerusalem warning the world not to take the mark of the beast. They try killing them, nothing works until their time is up, and then they're killed. Do you know you as a Christian, you're invincible until it's time for you to go? Isn't that great to know? So just enjoy the protection of God, the restoration of God, the healing of God, the forgiveness of God, And many of the people believed in him and said, when Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? No. You see, Jesus is everything. He does it all. So, if the world don't like you, now you know why. Because you belong to him. Because you've got the love of the Father all over you. You don't think people see that? Have you ever seen somebody that is dark and you can feel the the darkness radiating off of them? I have. Well, you have the radiance of God on you. And that radiance that God does on you affects other people. It causes a reaction. May God give you that anointing. Every day, remind you of that anointing, who you are in him. Because not only does God Forgive us. He heals us. This morning we have communion. And it's so special because, again, it's that only physical thing that Jesus gave us that we could physically remember him by. In other words, not an iron cross around our neck or a bronze statue in the park. But Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me very simple. Do this in remembrance of me. He held up the cup. He said, this is my blood shed for you. You're valuable. I died for you. I thank God for God's forgiveness. He's appeased. Don't have to do that anymore. That's why you never have to earn your salvation. Everybody else is earning their salvation. You don't have to because God's given it to you. It's free. Receive it. We take it. But now the next part. The restoration. The bread is what does that. Jesus said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Speaking of the manna in the Old Testament that sustained them, that healed them, that restored them, that reminded them of God's provision every day. Friends, live in that gosh, you know, we have a God that fixes what we've done wrong. I had a dad that could fix anything. Shared this before, but I remember my parents had a Ford station wagon. We bought it new and, and I parked my tricycle behind it. I don't think, still don't sometimes. And I remember my mom decided to go to the store. We all got in the car. She put it in reverse. And we heard this scrunching and screaming. And and we stopped and she drove back forward. And here was my bicycle just mangled. I was horrified. And I remember just as my daughter now comes to me, I remember my dad put that bent up tricycle in the vice. And he grabbed onto it with his big old hands and he pulled that neck of where the, where the steering went down to the front wheel. And I remember he pulled that over and bent it around. Well, it wasn't quite as good as it was before. But it still worked. But in some ways it was better than it was before because my daddy had fixed it. You see, I've had a lot of things in my life that never needed fixing And I completely forgot about him. But I'll always remember my red tricycle. And that red tricycle to me was much more than it ever was when it was new. Because Daddy fixed it. And Daddy can fix you. This morning, if you've not accepted Christ as your Savior, you need to fix him, you need to be forgiven and repaired. And if you'd like to pray, we're going to pray right now. You can ask Christ in your life and see what he'll do for you. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. Thank you for forgiving me. I believe you died on the cross for me. And your blood covered my sins. And so now, from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I want to be about your business, what you want me to do for you. So fill me with your Holy Spirit, so I'll have power and love to do that. And thank you for eternal life, that I get to spend eternity with you, and Jesus, please fix me every day. I need that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes Store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at the River Christian Fellowship com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.